Welcome to the Service Management Leadership Podcast with Jeffrey Tiefertiller. Welcome back to the Service Management Leadership Podcast. I have a great guest for you this week, David Ratcliffe, President of Pink Elephant. Did I get that right this week, this yeah, time, David? Yeah, you got that spot on. <laughs> yes, well done. I, inside joke. Last year, I gaffed the title. And so I was like, I can't mess it up two years in a row. David was on in August, one of our first few guests. It's almost been a year. So it's great having David on and just talk about Pink and the upcoming Pink Conference and all that sort of thing. So David, it's great having you on. Pink 22, the 25-year anniversary is coming up in February. Everybody excited? Yes, and Jeffrey, thanks so much for inviting me back. And uh, But you know what? We should kind of carry on from when we last talked in August because uh, we weren't talking about Pink 22 then. We were talking about Pink 21, yes. the conference that never happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, last August when we were chatting, we were like fingers crossed and nobody knew really what was going to happen in the next few weeks and months, but we all know now. And uh, we all just had to hunker down, didn't we? And so we took the decision in September to cancel, uh, not to postpone, which, you know, you can imagine the venues and other contractors and people we work with just would like to push it down the road by a few weeks and a few weeks. And we went, no, no, February is, is our time of the year. And if we can't do February 21, we'll do February 22. So Pink 22, yeah, it's coming up. We uh, restarted the sales and marketing campaign a few weeks ago. We have a pretty full program. I think the conference team may have one or two speaking slots left. Uh, everybody thinks they can just email me and say, can I get a spot on the program? And it actually has virtually nothing to do with me. There are other people who take care of this and I don't interfere. Uh, so we're almost there with the program. It's looking good. We're very excited. And, um, you know, I think you're going to be there, Jeffrey. I think yes, you're going to be on the program and that's good. That was fun. Um, but what else can I tell you? Do you want to just talk about the program? Do you want to know? I was in Vegas just a few weeks ago, which is at the Bellagio, of course, and in Las Vegas. We've been there for many, many years. Um, and I went for a site visit about three or four weeks ago just to try and get a good idea for, you know, has anything changed? Because you talk to the staff there and they're all very, very uh, keen to have us there. And I'm not saying they're going to be talk up too much, but you want to see it for real, right? You yeah. want to see it. So uh, everything looks the way it always did. And they told me that on July 1st, that tells you how long ago it was. It was just at the last week of June I was there. They said July 1st, everything opens up as normal. Shows, all the restaurants, everything. It was in a bit of a partial uh, partial opening, if you like, for, for Las Vegas. A lot of tourists there, lots and lots of tourists. Most of the restaurants and bars were open, but a few of them were working maybe a few days a week, not seven days a week, and all of the shows were closed. But starting July 1st, it's just reopened as, as big and as uh, busy as ever. So the uh, protocols in place are whatever we want them to be. 
is what we were told by MGM, uh, who owned the Bellagio. They said, you tell us what you want to do as far as uh, social distancing, sanitizing, masking, that kind of, you know, the, the normal kind of things. Um, even on-site testing, they can even provide us with testing every day if we wanted to. Uh, I'm just mentioning these because we'll decide much later once we've figured out where we're all at at the end of this year and the beginning of next year. It's still long, it's about eight months away. It's still quite a, quite a time to go. And of course, we're hearing different things in the news every day right now. So but what's the most important thing is what I said a year ago, taking care of our customers, taking care of our staff, taking care of all of the contractors we work with. As long as we can keep people safe and healthy and not put them at risk, then we'll see how far we can go. And if that means putting some protocols in place, well, we'll do that. If, uh, if everyone's vaccinated and they don't feel like this is necessary, well, that's great as well, but it's still a little bit early days to be making final decisions. We're just very optimistic that something's going ahead. We've got hundreds of people already signed up. We're taking registrations virtually, well, every day now. So the numbers are creeping up, creeping up, creeping up. You know, whether it will get up to the record of, you know, close to 2000, that we had in a few years ago, I don't know. Either there'll be big pent up demand later in the year or it will be, you know, a little bit more low key. We'll just have to wait and see, take it the best we can. Oh yeah, so, oh, yeah. yeah. I was thinking, David, and, and you can chuckle at my expense on this. If we tried to predict last year, what the next six, eight months would look like, we'd look like fools, right? And Ooh. so- you're right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like whatever, because it, it was like the wind uh, shifting around every time. And so you bring yeah. up a good point that we, there's a lot we don't know. But yeah. the part that we do know, we can have protocols and we can try to address. I mean, if people are getting on airplanes, yeah. they should be able to get to the conference and yeah. feel safe. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to push people around. Uh, we're not going to, you know, force you to show some you know, passport on the way in or anything, but it, but we want people to be responsible, but we're gonna be responsible too. And we'll make sure that uh, we don't put anybody at, at risk. I think right now though, we're more optimistic than we've been, particularly for the future. You know, if we were doing this next week, I wouldn't feel quite so sure because we're not getting some great news to every day in the news right now, but um, I'm hoping, you know, between the governments and the states and the city and the Clark County, uh, Las Vegas, uh, between now and next February, uh, decisions will be made about what is the right thing to do. Um, I do know that when I talked with the management at Bellagio uh, a few weeks ago, when I was there, they told me that um, they'd only had a few small events in the last year. When I say events, they were mostly like little weddings. And, um, and if you've ever been there, you know that often the weddings are like half a dozen people or, or a small tight knit family. They're not like the 300 people weddings. Well, there are a few of those as well, I, I guess, but a lot of the weddings there are small affairs. And they've had a few uh, like meetings that they've hosted like in one room, you know, a group of a dozen or 20 people, you know, maybe a training course or something. 
but they've had no uh, multi-hundreds attendee events since Pink 20. Ooh. Pink 20 was the last event at the Bellagio that had hundreds of people. And uh, when I was there, they were pleased that the following week, first week in July, was going to be their first 500 person event since Pink 20. And it was, uh, I forget what line of business was, I think it was something to do with healthcare. And uh, so, you know, between now and next February, there's going to be, they said they're fully booked for the rest of the year. Wow. They told me. But again, you know, you go, are you sure? <laughs> or is that just trying to talk it up to make me feel good? But uh, I think they're probably right. You know, there's a lot of excitement. And certainly, as you say, when you're traveling around, there's a lot of people traveling. Like, where are they going? They're not all just visiting grandma. <laughs> there's business going on. People are traveling. But at the same time, there are lots of organizations who are being cautious. And we're hearing this every day. A lot of our customers saying, well, I desperately want to be there. Uh, but my boss and my boss's boss have said, you know, our policy is no travel for now or no make big events. Um, but, you know, we are hoping that's going to start to open up later in the year. So I think there's going to be huge pent up demand, whether we see the benefit of that in February coming up or February the year after. We'll just have to wait and see, you know, and. I, I just don't worry about anything that I can't control. Like, what's the point? You're just going to get stressed out. Oh, yeah. So, you know what? We'll do the best we can in the meantime. It's almost like holding sand. The, the tighter you hold it, the more it leaks out because you cannot control it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you leaked something that I have not made public. I will be there and I'm speaking. And so... What are you talking about, by the way? CMDB. I told you I'm not involved in the program, so I don't know what it is. What are you talking about? The role of the CMDB as technology spreads outside of IT to more of an enterprise view and how the CMDB, in my view, is integral to taking the rest of the service management world enterprise-wide versus IT-specific. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, that's a good... And I was talking to someone just yesterday about uh, you know going beyond IT. Mm -hmm. And um, with some of the practices and some of the good, you know, the good uh, uh, best practices that we have or the good content we have, especially around ITIL. And so, uh, well, that's interesting. That's good. I know when we do CMDB training, it's always popular. So I think you're onto a good subject there. Well, I will tell you this, that most people's CMDBs, and I've put out surveys on LinkedIn, they are not as successful as we would like them to be. They are, you know, because it's a fluid environment. It's a lot to take on. It's process plus technology, plus you have people and it's all that. But I'm just a small speaker. Who are some of the featured speakers? Well, you know, we've got our opening keynote speaker, which is the most prestigious time slot, I guess, on the program, is somebody who's very special to us at Pink. Uh, and I don't know if I ever told you this story, Jeffrey, so stop me if I did, and uh, I'll rewind and we'll, we'll talk about something else. But many, many years ago, I think for about the fifth annual, this is our 25th annual conference, by the way, 25th. And uh, I think it was around about the fifth, fifth conference. Uh, we always found it, once we got going with this formula we have, 
where we used to have about five keynote sessions in two and a half days, mornings and afternoons. It was always tough to try to get fresh, good speakers who'd be inspirational, entertaining, educational. That's the three criteria we look for. They're gonna give us a bit of inspiration. They're gonna be entertaining and fun, hopefully. <laughs> and uh, they're gonna give us some, something that we didn't know, right? be educational. And so uh, one Saturday morning, I was sitting at home reading the newspaper and it was, you know, Saturday morning papers are often the biggest editions of the week. And there was the literary section and I was reading the book reviews and there was a fabulous, interesting book review of a guy who had achieved something in the world of leadership that really got my attention. And this guy was Captain Michael Abrashoff, who was captain of the USS Benfold for three years. Uh, and when he took it over in the US Navy, it was the worst rated ship in the Pacific fleet. Out of 300 ships, this was bottom of the rung on every metric because the motivation and the camaraderie was just not there. Uh, people were applying for transfers. He took over the ship and walked in on the first day and saw all of the horrible attitude and, and performance. Uh, but in the space of uh, his three-year assignment, it went from the bottom to the top. It was the highest rated ship and a whole bunch of metrics. And uh, he explained all the reasons why, what he did. And um, so I read this book, I read the review of this book. And on Monday morning, I came in and I said to our conference manager, see if he can track this guy down. Didn't know if he would be a conference speaker. And when we uh, got hold of him, he wasn't a conference speaker. He's like, what do you want me to do? You want me to stand in front of people and tell my story? Why don't you just buy my book? It was like, no, 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 we're doing conferences and we want you to come and speak. And he was like, okay, I guess I get paid something for this. And we were like, yeah, we worked out a fee with him. By the time that happened in I think July to February, he had by now done more conference. So we, we weren't his first gig. We were the first one to book him, but he'd already, he did other things between those dates. And by the time he showed up, this guy walked on stage planted himself in the middle of the stage and didn't have any slides, had photographs that he showed of the ship. And you could hear a pin drop for an hour nonstop. And he never looked at any notes. He recited the, straight from the heart, extemporized this speech and it was thunderous applause. And we had him back, well, I think we've had him speak about five times over the years. And uh, we just love his messages. He's now a consultant. He's written a couple more books. So he's our number one guy at Pink 22, Captain Michael Abrashoff. If you've seen him before, because I know he then did some other IT industry conferences uh, or even maybe a TED talk, uh, you'll know what I'm talking about. This guy is absolutely riveting. We love him. And uh, he's, he's also fun to be around as well. He's a nice, really nice guy. And so we're looking forward to that. We also have Gene Kim, mm. day two, who's uh, in the world of DevOps. He is really the guy, uh, co-author of the Phoenix Project. I've seen him a few times and he captures your attention 
with it. He just seems to soak up knowledge and regurgitates it in a nice way, good way. And um, very, very smart guy, very good stories, very good research. Everything's always relevant. But that's now more of an IT session. And uh, we like to mix it up. Uh, we don't usually have IT folks as our keynote speakers. We usually have sports figures, you know, uh, industry gurus in terms of, you know, uh, in, in leadership and in man management, person management, whatever. So um, it's good that we've got Gene Kim up there and giving him that profile. So everyone gets to hear his messages around DevOps and really the, the sole, sole subject, the whole subject of uh, people working together uh, and linking it into automation. I think he's a bit of an automation nerd as well. It's not just about people. Uh, DevOps really is about people and automation and that's, that's what he's gonna be talking about. So uh, we also have, of course, our usual uh, slate of favorite pink speakers you know, the George Spaulings of the world and the uh, Troy DeMoule and the Jack Probst, uh, Robin Heisick and Jennifer Wells. I mean, we've got all those guys. And of course, the people I really appreciate the most are our good customers who come along and tell their story. We call those case study presenters. And some of them, you know, it's, it's great to see those folks come up and tell their story. On the one hand, I'm very grateful that they get permission to do it because sometimes the, you know, you could be saying, hey, there's trade secrets here. We don't want to, we don't want to air our dirty laundry in front of our competitors, but um, they get, I appreciate that, but also the commitment they show to get prepared and to do a good job. And we help them where we can. You know, one of the things we do, Jeffrey, you're going to find this out. Is this the first time you've spoken at a pink event? At pink, yes. Yeah, you're gonna find out that we uh, we don't just say, see you there and then you show up on the day. We wanna see your stuff and we wanna help you to make sure it's good, uh, give you some hopefully nice constructive feedback and um, you know just make sure we give you the best chance to be successful and to shine. And so awesome. uh, when we do that with our, with our uh, cause of course we have other people speak who are like consultants, or people who kind of speak for a living or a major part of their job, you know, independent consultants and uh, technology company representatives, et cetera. And, you know, we expect them to be good, but we also check on them as well. But the customer case studies, those are the ones that I have the softest spot for because they, they, they really don't have to do this. And they're doing it not because it's their job, but because they want to do it. They like the challenge and they want to share their story, maybe they're proud of something. So uh, really good mix, really good mix as usual. And you talked about people wanting to share their story. That's why we started this podcast is I think that there's so much information rattling between people's ears around the world that I'm just trying to help people have a voice because we, yeah. you know, we all can learn from one another in such a grand way. Well, if you ever sit in on any of my presentations, my last slide usually says, uh, here's what I recommend you do as your next steps after learning about the subject I just talked about. Here's some next steps. And I always try to make them practical and achievable. You know, it's not go off and solve the world's problems. It's go off and read this book or read this paper, watch this video, 
host this meeting, talk to your coworkers, uh, ask your boss these questions. So it's things you can really do the next day and possibly even some of those on the way home. And uh, one of the things that's always on that list is please share your story, uh, socialize what you've learned today and what you've achieved. And you'd be pleased to find out people will contact you, people will respond and you get, a, you get that. You, I, I like to think of us all as busy bees buzzing around an IT world. You know, instead of picking up pollen, we're picking up little nodules of knowledge and we're dropping them off for everywhere we go. And that's, that's what I really like to think about. If, any, if there was anything about my legacy that I wish could be successful and effective, it, it's that. It's just encouraging people to share their knowledge and to help each other. I mean, that's really what we're in. We're in the knowledge business. We're in the education business. And um, it doesn't all have to come from the horse's mouth. It doesn't have to come just from me or, or our guys at Pink. It could come from anywhere. We're just a catalyst. We're just bringing people together so they, the pollen rubs off each other. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I started a YouTube channel in 2017 with that in mind. Like, I, don't, I didn't see very good stuff when I was looking around. I'm like, all right, I know other people aren't as well. Let's just create some. And 1,300 yeah. videos later, here we are. But, you know, there, I, I really appreciate the community from Pink, you know, because it is a community, right? I mean, what you described is a, is a community approach. Mm -hmm. And so I'm excited. I'm excited to knowing we have a lot of uh, calendar days in front of us between now and then. And I even look, they won't even let me book flights that far in advance, but I'm excited. And so uh, yeah. I'm sure your staff is as well. Yeah, well, we're, we are excited, but you know, we've been patient and, and it's amazing how time has flown. It's yeah. just, it's unbelievable to, to me how time has flown by. This is the longest time we've ever been without a conference at Pink. And uh, it just doesn't seem very long in another way, you know, in another parallel universe. It just seems to have flown by. And I know from year after year, when we plan these events, we're now towards the end, getting towards the end of July, and we're running downhill towards February now. Yes. When you look at the calendar, it's kind of downhill. We've got, to, we've got to get a lot of things still, I's dotted and T's crossed, which is what we do. This is what we do in, in July, August, September, October. The, the final bits and pieces need to come together. But um, we, last year, we, you know, we took, we took the decision in September and we actually planned for that around about um, April time. When we knew in April, 2020, that things were looking bad in, uh, with the pandemic, we said, uh, people were starting to ask us already, are you gonna cancel? And we said, well, we don't have to decide that right now. But then we got our heads together and we said, okay, when's the latest time we would call go, no go. If you think the way NASA plans their launches, what's the latest go, no go? And it wasn't too difficult to work out because many years ago when the event was smaller, you know, 800 people, 700 people, we didn't really do as much planning as we do, do, do right now. Uh, we didn't have as many tracks. We didn't have as many sessions. It's usually always been two and a half days to three days. But we used to really get going with sales and marketing around about 
early September. And uh, we get all the registrations in. Now it's a 12 month campaign. In fact, in the last few years, we've actually had people sign up for a conference more than a year ahead. Whoa. So we even added somebody, I think, let me get the year right. I think it was December 2018. She said, I've got budget, can I book 2019 and 2020's conference at the same time? <laughs> sure, sure, we'll take your money and book you, right? We'll register you. But um, yeah, we get a lot of people, uh, like we already have about a couple hundred people signed up, I think. I'm not sure the exact number, but it's close to that, uh, if not over that. Um, and about a hundred of them have been sitting waiting for years. They, they originally booked for, for Pink 21 and they just transferred to Pink 22. But we knew middle of September. And so we picked a date on the calendar. I think it was Friday the... September the, it was like the 14th to the 16th. It was the middle, right in the middle of September, end of a week. And we said on that day, we'll come into the office and we'll decide go, no go. And we decided no go. That was when we decided. And so, you know what? If, if things go from bad to worse, we've got to the middle of December, uh, September. And, uh, but I think things are looking, I think, we'll, I think things are gonna be okay. But, you know, I, I'm with you. I've already been on an airplane, traveled, yeah. airports are packed. And, uh, you know, once schools open in August, yeah. and here in the U.S., we have uh, American football stadiums full and college kids go back on campus. That's going to be when we really see the effect, right? Is, you know, you put big groups of people. So can I tell you something? You mentioned football and you reminded me of something. We had, we booked these conferences about two, usually three years in advance. We usually have three of them on the calendar. Uh, by the time the next one is, is close, not only have we had the one a year later for over a year, we probably have already contracted for the one two years ahead. So we've usually got three in the, in the pipeline. When I say committed, I mean, signed in blood. <laughs> with the venue for all of the expense, all of the rooms, and you know, it's, it's a hard contract. And um, we had that, so we've had this Pink 22 conference like for two, at least two years ago when we signed, I think it was sometime in May 2019, I think it was, we signed for it. And then earlier this year, <laughs> I think it was in, a, I think it was around, March, February, March, early March, we get a call from the Bellagio and they said, um, we really need to talk to you about Pink 22. It's okay, we'll, we'll, we'll wait. You know, we, we've already had these conversations. You know, we, we don't know what we're gonna do. We're gonna wait and see. They said, no, 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 no. We need to change the date. What? They said, yeah, the NFL has just moved the Super Bowl back by one week. And it's now going to be on the day that your conference opens. And I've never been, I don't think I've been to Vegas for Super Bowl Sunday. Actually, I think I might have been, we might have had one of our conferences in Orlando about 20 years ago on Super Bowl Sunday, but never been to Vegas. Apparently in Vegas, every hotel has the biggest kind of tailgate type party. Yes. Not tailgate, but you know what I mean? Big, big, big 
big deal. They get a lot of high rollers in from all over the world. And they have a lot of hospitality. And they said, we need all of your rooms. <laughs> we need everything that you've already contracted for. And I said, hold on a second. Hold on a second. You know, we contracted for this. And anyway, cut a long story short, uh, we agreed to move it back by about two or three days. So instead of starting on the Sunday, which is what we've always done for 24 years, we're starting on a Tuesday night, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or, or the days of the conference, not Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We called all of our customers who were already registered. And I think, I think maybe one person said, you know, it's my daughter's birthday on the Friday and I promised something already and sorry, you know, but everyone else was like, sure, whatever. <laughs> Just desperate to get away. <laughs> That's how I am. You you can probably feel my energy. It's it's, it's hard to keep in one one four set of yeah. four walls. Yeah, it was talked about the Pink Conference, which is huge, but yeah. Pink also has consulting and training and other. What we've been doing the last year and a half, Jeffrey. That's what we've been doing. Yes, and you know it's yeah. I'm very very grateful, not just for our customers who put their faith in us, but for our team who really stepped up. I mean, we were already doing virtual, you know, we're talking about virtual work because that's what we've all been doing virtually, uh, unless you work in a factory or somewhere. Uh, but for a lot of office, you know, white collar folks, it's all been online, hasn't it, for the last year and a half. And I was really quite impressed and pleased that our customers adapted to this quite quickly and easily. And round about just over a year ago, round about April, May, May time, round about May time, we'd been converting work that was going to be done in person to being online. And we did get a few customers who said, you know what, we'll just wait. You know, we'll just hold our breath and wait. And they waited and waited. And then eventually they just caved and said, you know, we got to get this project done. We got to train these guys. And we, we reassured everyone and said, look, you know, the online training is highly effective. The tools and technologies that we're using, the, the connectivity is so reliable. There's always a little glitch here and there, but it's not anything that uh, invalidates the, the experience. Um, you know, we probably had as many glitches in a live classroom yes. with the lights going out, the fire alarms being tested and that kind of stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. It's not really been, it's not really been a, a disadvantage or a lesser quality experience. And of course, now this makes me wonder what the long-term future is going to be like. Yes. When people don't have to fly around. And they, what it also has done, Jeffrey, which is really positive, is... Let's just imagine we're doing a five-day consulting assignment where we're helping. We have a project we do. It's kind of like an off-the-shelf approach where we do a targeted improvement plan for a process where we go in and we talk to the organization, key people, find out what the pain points, why is it dysfunctional. Then we recap on what we need to do to get back on track. And then we help them build a plan and begin rolling it out. And it all can be done. We kind of squeeze it in five days into a week. Actually, it's six days. We do a day beforehand just to set the scene and get everybody organized and tell them how they need to get prepared. It's actually a six-day project. But 
five days in one week and one day the week before. Well, guess what we can do now when it's been online? We don't have to cram it into five days. Right. In fact, we don't even have to take one day here, one day there, one day. It, we can be an hour here, 90 minutes there, a half a day workshop here. This is much more effective and uh, efficient. Uh, and a lot of our projects are working this way. Even training, we've, we've had customers, uh, we've almost accidentally fallen into this habit of suggesting to customers that, you know, you don't have to take three solid days. We can do it in half days if you want. You know, so you can still get your work done in the morning and do some training in the afternoon or vice versa. And so this online world has really opened up a lot of opportunities as well as saving money. Uh, I wouldn't want to be in the airline business, even though I'm here and they're having record, uh, well, record um, seat sales, you know, in terms of uh, capacity, but right now, but I'm, I'm not so sure the business demand is going to bounce back as much, as much as it used to be. Certainly not in our business. I think if anything, we might find it goes 50-50 instead of 100 percent on site it'll be a 50 50 maybe i don't know what the numbers will be but i just can't believe we're going to stop doing it online and we're just going to do everything back to the old no way way. no way especially because travel is 15 20 percent and uh when you mentioned airline i think a lot of those are percentage of of uh seats available and most airlines cut back flights so they're not even offering near as many flights as they were and so yes they have a higher percentage but you brought up something that I want to ask you about because you're a visionary. You've been down a lot of different twists and turns over the years. I think that organizations that don't see this as an opportunity to put on new glasses and see the world as it is versus square peg, round hole, let's just hit it harder like we would have. I think there's opportunity for those that want to see it as new world, new opportunities, new capabilities. Well, and I think, and I've, I think I might have even talked with you about this last time, but I think the reason we adapted so quickly and relatively easily to this was because we were already doing, we're, we're not actually doing anything different other than the adjustments and hours like I just mentioned, but, mm-hmm. you know, we've done, we've done training online before, we've even done consulting online before, so it, it's not been a completely new set of skills and and practices and processes we've had to develop. And the reason for that is uh, when the recession really kicked in in 2008, we had two of our biggest customers, I won't mention their name, but their household names. Uh, one of them's a technology company, one of them's a credit card company. And in the same week, they both had orders, we had orders for each of them of over a million dollars a year in training Ooh. to these two companies. They were our two biggest customers. And in the same week, we got calls to say, we're canceling everything. Because all of the training at that time was live. We flew people around to do this training for them, week in, week out. And of course, like you say, probably 25% of the cost is actually the cost of hotels and and flights. And they'd fly fly their people into central locations. Uh, So there was a lot of money being spent and they said, that's it, we're canceling it all. And they said, come back when you've got a way to deliver your training online. 
And so we started to figure out how to do that. You can imagine our livelihood is at stake here. And so we quickly figured that out and we quickly started to invest in self-paced online mm -hmm. training, which I, and you, you know, you're kind to call me a visionary, but you know, that, that's you being nice. You know, mm -hmm. I've made some big mistakes in my work life. One of the things I, I kind of regret is it took me years and years and years to buy into the idea of self-paced or self-study training. To me, I'm an old school guy. You gotta have a guy at the front of the room with a piece of chalk, you know, writing on the blackboard. That's the way you learn stuff. Not sitting in front of a computer on your own. And I resisted, resisted, resisted until these two customers said, you better figure out how to do this. So we quickly started to develop self-paced training and that was in 2008. So by the time, you know, 2020 came around, uh, and the problems of a year and a half ago, we were all, we already had everything in place. We, we just sold more of it, right? And so, uh, and I remember seeing a guy on LinkedIn, I won't mention his name, uh, somebody who's a competitor of ours, but only in a small way, I think a self-employed independent contractor asking for advice on how do you do training courses online? Right. And I'm thinking, man, you've really been hanging on to the old days, yeah. right? And um, yeah, there's a, it's a different set of skills. It's not easy. I'm not sure I could do it. You know, I used to teach in the classroom and I, I never ever have done it online. I, this is as long as I'll ever spend online as just talking to you like this. But um, the guys that we have, the, the, the ladies and gentlemen at Pink Elephant uh, who do the training for us, uh, you know, one or two pain points for one or two of them, it took them a while. You know, you can't pause too long. You can't rough, rustle your papers too much. I always used to say, you know, in the classroom, if, you, if somebody asks you a tough question and you need to think about it and you might need to look something up, you can do this kind of stuff. You can actually stand in the classroom and you can go, hmm, that's an interesting question. Uh, I've got something somewhere that refers to that. And you go through your papers and people are watching you. They can see you and they exercise a degree of patience. But when you're on a connection and all people are looking at is a screen with a picture of a slide and they hear a voice. And every now and again, they see a little video in the corner of the person, but really they're looking at the slides primarily, or maybe they're not even looking at the screen at times. When they get those pregnant pauses and those hesitations, you don't have patience. It's hello, are you on mute? What's happening? <laughs> What's going on? So you've got to adapt to that. You know, There's, you've got to be able to uh, it's a bit like being on the phone rather than in person, you know, working behind a counter in a store, you've got a lot more, you can smile at people, you know, you can uh, have a little bit small talk, you can make comments about things you can collectively, you can both see, but on the telephone, it's not like that. You've got, you've got a different set of skills you've got to uh, develop and you've got to adapt to it. But so we'd been doing this for a while and uh, it almost just became seamless. We just, you know, I think some of our guys were, were going to be working them too hard because they could be doing their job five straight days of the week without any travel. 
<laughs> and sometimes they like the idea of, you know, going away for two days and traveling back for a day and then doing a, another day's work. And But it, it's not been too bad. It's been pretty good. I think everyone's, uh, I, don't, I know there's one or two of our guys are really quite anxious to get back out on the road. At least, at least there's a bit of a mix up, like to mix it up a bit. Oh yeah. Uh, not full time. But I think one or two others are probably actually, actually like the idea of this is a neat routine. You know, yeah. hopefully they've got out of their pajamas in the last year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> if anyway, you, you know, yeah. that's just something I think, you know, we've got to, we've got to be careful that we don't make too many assumptions about what's going on with, um, you know, in, in customers' minds. Because I do know there are some customers really want us to come back on site. They really value the opportunity of um, having our, our, our folks interacting and socializing, you know, with, the, with their team. And so, you know, I hesitate to say that we're never going to travel again. The right. customer will tell us what they want, you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll adapt if we have to. Yeah, if we've learned nothing over the last 18 months is that we don't know what the next 18 months will look like. Well, you and said, we, it, you said you know, it earlier and you're saying it again and you're absolutely right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. You know what I mean? Like if we, if we it's to assume nothing, be flexible yeah. and be able to, because there are organizations, especially when you think of the growth of technology throughout an, orga, uh, an organization, it's really... We're in a time which I find pretty exciting just because what it looks like a year from now may look very different than I can even imagine right now. Yeah, yeah. It is, it can, you know, you can worry about it and maybe we should be worried about it. Yeah. But uh, like I said earlier, you know, it's nothing we can do about it right now. I mean, we have, there are things we have to do uh, to adapt, but until we know what the situation is, there's no action we can take, right? Right. If that makes sense, you know, there's nothing we can do about what we don't know yet. And so, um, but I think things are headed in the right direction. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's just a big speed bump we're going through right now. Of, of unfortunately, some people, you know, these variants uh, in the pandemic are kind of really catching us out here. But, you know, I've, I've read up a lot in the last year and a half about viruses and how they spread. And we read all of these stats and everyone's becoming their own expert. And, uh, you know, we just got to get the rate of infection down and then things will naturally go back to normal. Like, like I heard on the news this morning, you know, there's, there's many diseases and viruses we've discovered over the years we've managed to control. Yeah. I, um, you know, obviously vaccinations help and, and the ex uh, infection rate, you know, keep in, get, doing what we can do to keep that under control uh, so that there isn't a spread and we're not putting each other at risk, whether you're vaccinated or not. And um, that's, it's, it's an interesting time for sure. Oh, yeah. uh, isn't it amazing how many businesses have thrived while others have struggled? And of course, it's, it's all bit of an accidental example example of how accidentally what type of business are you in you know oh, yeah. if you're in if you're in any kind of online shopping business man this has been a boom time right boom time if you're in the fast food business 
like from what I'm hearing, some of the fast food companies, you know, the reg, you know, the, the old traditional fast food burger joints, they've had they've had fabulous time. Oh yeah. Right? Some you of know? them don't even have dine-in anymore. They just have pure drive-through. Yeah. And they're killing sales on pure drive-through. And it's forced them to look at the problem through new eyes. And I think that's what, if anything we've learned, it's that how do we look at what's going on through a new fresh lens? Yeah. But is but is it temporary or is it permanent? It's probably a bit of both. There's a there's a temporary big bump, and and some of that will carry on. Uh, so you know, there's a it's it's just so fascinating to oh, yeah. to observe things. And I'm very very fortunate that uh, you know we've not you know we've not uh, we've not prospered from the way that Amazon have or, or McDonald's okay. have, but we've managed to uh, manage our way through this and still be here, still be viable. Uh, we've developed a ton of product in the last year and a half. So repurposing some of our staff and being able to you know, adjust our costs in a way where we can afford to still you know, employ so many people, but at the same time, keep business going and keep selling stuff. So you know, it's been a big adjustment, but you know, that's one of the things uh, I guess I have to be proud of. My business partner, Fatima, particularly, uh, keeps us on the straight and narrow. And, uh, you know, I think we'll come out of this stronger. That's a bit of a cliche, but we have to because we've, we've weathered this. If we've weathered this, then we're a little bit res we're resilient and uh, we'll be ready to do even more once the uh, doors open a little bit. Oh, yes. And it shows us, if nothing else, how much we, we should have been thankful for so much over the years. You yeah. know? Get complacent. And that's one of the things that, you know, I always regret is when times are good and you get a little bit complacent, that's when you should be doubling down and, and planning for, you know, not planning for uh, what's happened, but making sure you're an even stronger organization, you know? Oh, yeah. And so, you know, develop, developing products, which is what we've done in the last year, it's unbelievable with, with uh, some reduced resource, but actually focusing more. It was always been a tough thing in our line of business to get the people who need to build product or the experts who are out teaching it or out there doing it. Yeah. And so trying to schedule time, robbing Peter to pay Paul, are you out on billable work or are you working at home on development, which doesn't pay much until years down the line? And so we've been able to switch to more of that. And uh, that's been a luxury for us. And I keep telling everyone, you know, make the most, make hay when the sun shines. You know, if we've got products we've always wanted to do, and we've never got around to doing it, get them done now quick. Because, oh, yeah. you know, we can't keep this, keep this ratio going forever. But uh, yeah, it's fun, fun times. It'll explode soon. So David, it's great having you on the, on the podcast again. And we welcome you back in the future, standing uh, invitation. And so I'm excited for Pink 22. Well, we'll get together then. Maybe we'll do something from Las Vegas. That'd be awesome. I'm the easy guy to spot with the tall, ugly guy with glasses. I'm easy to spot. And me easily as well. You can easily spot me. I understand. I'm. Uh, it's just. It's awesome though. And so I'm. I'm really looking forward to it. And 
when I'm able to book my accommodations, I'll do that. And so I'm excited. Have a great day, David, and we thank you for being on. Well, thanks, Jeffrey, and thanks for everything you do for our industry. And uh, it's great that you uh, you buy into the, the whole idea of, of socializing knowledge. And uh, you know that you you're one of the good guys. That's one of that's the way that works. Is if we can share our knowledge. You know, in IT, you often used to say that, especially if you worked in support, when you told people how you fixed something you became a little less valuable. That's short-term thinking. Fair. You know, you've got to share your knowledge and you've got to help people to share their knowledge. And then you become even more valuable. It's not the opposite way around. So thanks so much for what you do, Jeffrey. And I look forward to seeing you in February. We'll have some fun there. Uh, hopefully. I'm looking forward to it. Have a great day. Okay, see you later. Bye-bye. Uh -huh.